Welcome to the Farmer's Voice. I'm Alan Watts with Kentucky Farm Bureau. Today we visit with Kentucky Farm Bureau Women's Advisory Committee Chairman Mary Jane Cannon. Ms. Cannon, tell me about your farming operation. I'm a retired school teacher, and uh, on our farm we raise Angus cattle, and we are a cow-calf operation. Um, it, we raise bulls and females for sale, so it's been a, a really good year, and the calf crop looks good. Uh, that's basically what I do on the farm is take care of baby calves and records and things. <laughs> well, tell us about your teaching career. What did you teach? Where did you, how, long, how long did you teach and so forth? Okay, I taught uh, instrumental music and choir K-12 through for 28 years. <laughs> so I was a high school band director for 22 of those years. So that makes sense. I had to be a fun life doing that on the farm too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd farm in, from about 3 to 6, and then I'd have to go back to school till 10. So it was a rat race for a while, but we got it done. So. I'm sure. Well, tell us about the history of your farm there. Uh, it's been in the family for over 63 years. Um, we, uh, My husband and uh, his brother, Charles, are in the Heritage Hall of Fame uh, for their Angus cattle and what they've raised. Um, it's uh, kind of a dual operation. My husband and the bro- his brother, they farm together, but their cattle are separate. So uh, we kind of, it's a big family operation. Most of the family jumps in when we have a production sale. We usually have production sale in March. Usually, um, the first or second Monday, depending on how it falls with the uh, Kentucky, um, no, with the Farm Bureau uh, show and sale that's down there in Louisville. So that depends on the date of our sale in March. And then we have another production sale in the fall, which is mainly uh, registered bulls and then commercial females. So uh, when we do those sales, everybody jumps in um, and works pretty hard to get it all done. The cattle have to be fed a certain way and they have to be clipped and it's it's a pretty big operation when you get down to it <laughs> absolutely yes very much so tell us about how did you get how did they get into the hall of fame there how did, what the what makes the angus herd unique there with you guys well charles served on the board of directors of the american angus association and he was one of the founding members of cab beef so that's one thing that's brought that uh in the foundation, and then uh, they were the first people in Kentucky to do performance records, you know, and to see what the cattle were producing and get the numbers on them for, you know, weight and what, how many pounds they're gaining per day of age and so on and so forth. So that's one thing that's made it unique, and, and they've been in business with Angus cattle consistently for 60 I think it's about 68 years now. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And what, what, you know, what a way, I mean, you talk about the numbers there that they were instrumental in doing. They're used quite heavily in the Angus business now, and all, well, particularly all breeds of cattle, I think, when they have sales, they look at those numbers pretty, pretty, pretty consistently. Yeah, you have to have those EPDs on those cattle, and, and when someone comes to buy a bull, you have to know what you're talking about. And, of course, they have the cost share bulls, too, uh, throughout Kentucky through the cattle, um, through the tobacco fund. And 
they either want heifer bulls or whatever balanced trait or high productivity or whatever. So you have to know what you're talking about when you have someone come into the farm and, and say, I need a bull that's a heifer bull, and what are his numbers? So they have to meet certain criteria. So we kind of breed for the, Jerry and I kind of breed for the heifer bull. Farmers <laughs> certainly need a good need a good heifer bull for first calf heifer, so Right, important. yeah. Important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're sold completely out of bulls already. <laughs> really? Usually, we don't sell out maybe till the end of June. Then we we really sold out by basically the first of May. So, so it's been, been a good year for you already, then, huh? Yeah, it has been a very good year, bull wise, anyway. <laughs> That's good. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Well, yeah. I yeah. know you're very involved in Kentucky Farm Bureau Chair of the State Women's Advisory Committee. Tell us about your involvement in organization not only in Kentucky Farm Bureau but your local organizations there in your community and everything that you do. Okay, well I kinda started out I retired and that was a mistake I told my daughter. <laughs> and she's a Farm Bureau agent. So they needed a women's chair for their county. So that's how I began as a woman's chair. And they told me I'd only have to do a few reports and sign them and turn them in. Well, there was more to it than that because you had to come up with ideas for many grants and things like that. So uh, then I went to a district meeting one night, and uh, the lady that was our former district chair had passed away suddenly, and they wanted somebody to be appointed as women's chair. And I was the one that got appointed. <laughs> so that's how I became the district women's chair, and then that puts you on the state women's committee. And I've served on that committee for, I believe, 11 years now. And uh, we do a lot of work uh, through educational things. Uh, we've gone into the classroom with the books of the year to talk to kids about agriculture and tell them where their products come from. They don't really know. The book of the year this year is about ice cream, and you ask them where ice cream comes from. Well, up here they'll say the Dairy Queen, or they'll say the store, or it comes in a container. So when I got finished reading the book, I'd say, now, where does this ice cream come from? And they'd say, that cows and a dairy farmer. <laughs> so they know. But, you know, getting them to retain uh, the information is is something else, too, because you can go in, in fourth and fifth grade and ask them that same question. They won't know. And we've done a project which I thought was really interesting. We called it the P Project because they had a, a book about uh, Thomas Jefferson and and how he always raised the first crop of peas. So it involved history, it involved money, and it involved a contest. So we had to grow peas in the classroom, and uh, it, it was real interesting. We used a cake pan with a lid as the uh, incubator or the greenhouse, whatever you want to call it, and they'd get their peas started, and they knew they had to keep the lid kind of halfway open so the peas wouldn't cook. And it, it was real interesting. They we gave them all different kinds of peas, so they all didn't have the same kind of pea. So some of them got to be 24 inches long and some only 6 inches. So whoever got the long, biggest pea at the end of the time that they were allotted, they had to figure out mathematically how long they had had the pea and how long it had grown and come up with their numbers at the end of the day. Most of them had wall charts, and they had all the kids on on the charts. So it was a big deal for the kids to do that, and they really enjoyed it. And that, that taught them how they could grow their own food. So, and in, in the Women's Committee, we attend meetings, and uh, we go to the American Farm Bureau. Uh, this past year, we've done Zoom calls and uh, webinars on different subjects. 
our main <clears throat> thing is uh, to talk about food and agriculture, how, how it gets to you as a consumer, and how you can raise your own food. We talk about uh, education and how we can educate people on where they can get their food and where it comes from, because they don't really realize. You know, like last year during the pandemic, we had piles and piles of potatoes or onions, for instance, and they couldn't get them anywhere because there were no trucks. There was nothing, so they just laid there and rot. And people could have gone in in that community and got those potatoes and taken them home if only they would have known where to go and get them. So communication is another thing that we work on uh, in Farm Bureau and, and uh, communicating where agriculture is and where to go find these products that you need. How important do you think it is to share that message and to certainly play that role in farming with our young people today, Ms. Cannon? I think it's very, very important because they have no idea of where their food comes from. If you go into school and you say, where did your apple come from today? They don't have a clue. They'll say the store, you know, okay, it came from the store. How did you get to the store? Well, I don't know. Well, where did it grow? Well, it grew on a tree, but they don't even know that. They don't realize, you know, that's just an example. So um, the kids are, they just don't know. Unless, if they come maybe from a rural farming community, they might know. But the ones that are in the city have no idea. So the, the ladies that we have that work in areas where the cities are, um, really have to dig in and and do a really good job on spreading the word about agriculture because they don't have a clue, you know. And without farmers, you don't eat. (laughs) Well, tell me a little bit about uh, some of your big struggles on the farm. What are some of your big struggles there on the farm? Well, uh, one thing at the present moment is labor, you know, finding people to come and help on the farm. Um, We're lucky we have two gentlemen that work for us and one for Charles's, for Charles Terry's brother, and one for my husband, and they're really good, and we can just turn them loose and they can do what they do. But if you need extra help, finding that extra help, it's just, it's awful. You can't get, kids will not come and work. Um, it won't matter if you offer them $25 an hour, they won't come and work. And um, labor is a big issue. And you and I talked a little bit before we started this podcast about tractor parts and things, getting the parts for the equipment that we need to run is another thing that's very vital to a farmer, and, and it's getting hard to get the parts because you go to the parts store at the farm dealership, and he may or may not have the part that you need. Then you have to order it, and it may come in in a week. It may come in in a month. You might not see it for six months. So those are two issues that are big-time uh, problems. In our area where we deal with beef, uh, the price of feeder calves compared to the price of boxed beef is a big issue. So those are things that that uh, face the farmers on a daily basis. And, of course, weather is always an issue. We were so wet before, now we're very dry. So we're hoping for rain today and hoping for rain Friday. So those are issues that I think are a big deal. And also, on the, on the national level, I think this... Uh, we have to watch about this inheritance tax for farmers because it can be very costly to them if it's not kept the way it is right now. Obviously, you've had, you had an education career and but uh, worked with the farm all the years, even when you did that. What 
what makes the farm special to you? What, what do you love about the farm? When I was five years old, my dad took me to a gentleman's home, and he asked me if I would show his Angus heifer. And I've always loved Angus cattle. So they are the most important to me. I don't think you can beat a black Angus female for crossbreeding or any other breed. But I just love those little baby calves. And that's uh, that's so much fun for me because, like right now, we have two little bottle babies, and they're just so cute, but they're about running over. <laughs> and, of course, they're about to run out of milk, so they're going to be weaned here shortly. And uh, <clears throat> just watching them get out and play, you know. And then back out in the field, those two will come up to you eventually and want you to rub them or pet them like they were when they were in the barn. So... They're ones that you can always count on to come back up and help get the herd in or get them going some way, sometimes the wrong direction, but we hope the right direction. And um, it, it's it's just beautiful to see black cattle on green grass, especially in Kentucky with the bluegrass. So those are the things that I really love. Um, when, when I first married my husband, we did tobacco, and I wasn't real crazy about the tobacco. But um, when I'd come home from school at night, I'd get on the tractor and drive the tractor so the boys could load tobacco on the, the tractor so they could hang it in the barn in the mornings. But tobacco was really pretty in the field. So I just love the sights and sounds of the farm. And it's always something to do, and it's always different every day when you wake up. Our guest today, Kentucky Farm Bureau Women's Advisory Committee Chairman, Mary Jane Cannon. I'm Alan Watts with Kentucky Farm Bureau.